How can we be so different? Your teacher gave you a, a really hard book this time. What's wrong with your father? Why is he acting like a retard? He is. You're not like other daddies. I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm lucky. Nobody else's daddy ever comes to the park. No one doubts that you love your daughter. These shoes light up. But your intellectual capacity is around that of a seven-year-old. Do we get a balloon with these? All of us? Or just her? Our concern is what happens when Lucy turns eight. I find it is not in the best interest of the child to remain in the home, and I order her detained. Why is Lucy going home with me? Time that you get your own lawyer. This is one of the best ads I've seen in the yellow pages. You're my lawyer! Right, I'm your okay. lawyer. Okay, we have a lot to go over and I have five minutes. Ring me go! You're going much faster than everybody else. Is she going to help us? It's always set your dreams high, Lucy. I don't think you realize what you're up against. You gotta be firm on this. You have to fight for her. You don't know what it's like when you try and you try and you try and you don't ever get there! I can go at least another nine rounds. You gotta let me in. You think what they think. Sam can't take care of Lucy. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters that we win. It matters to me. Isn't it true that you know you need much more than your daddy can give you? All you need is love. What makes you think you can raise a seven-year-old? Every parent has those moments. A ten-year-old. Moments where the task is so unbelievably challenging. A thirteen-year-old. That you feel retarded. She'll be six years more advanced than you. I wouldn't want any daddy but you. Did you hear that? It's about patience. I worry that I've gotten more out of this than you. And it's about listening. Daddy? I'm here! And it's about love. I am Sam. You're recording. Hi, this is Sam! It, it's an outgoing message, so I think you need to sound a little more outgoing. It's weird looking at myself without a beard. Yeah, it's okay. It'll grow back. Or at least a mustache. Well, I was trying to do a mustache, and I fucked it up, so I had to shave my whole face. You got one long hair on the bottom of your chin. I always got something. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Movie Humpers. My name is Bob Sham. I am Angela. Happy November. I feel like my mouth looks tiny. You have big lips. What are you talking about? Oh, without your beard? Maybe it's just because I got a big head. And and, I, and I've gained some pounds, so this shit's going on, you know? That's like my worst. This is my least favorite part of my whole body, is this part. I feel like I look so drastically different. Without facial hair? Yeah. Yeah, everyone does. Anyway. It changes people's entire face. <laughs> I look like I'm like my cousin or, or a cousin or some shit. Anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, do you remember when, but... When Chris Rock hosted the 2005 Academy Awards. Now, the thing is, as I, as I, I remember this, but then I asked myself, how do I remember it? I never watched the Academy Awards, but the details of the Academy Awards, certain ones that stand out do reach me. Oh, sure. And stay with me. I just don't want to sit down and actually watch it live the whole time. But in 2005, Chris Rock made some joke about Jude Law. Like how Jude Law, if you can't get Tom Cruise, you get Jude Law. And okay. then he said something along the lines of, who who is Jude Law? He's been in every movie for the last four years. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just some goofy ass joke. And because uh, Jude Law was peaking at the time in 2005, right? Sure. And there's a reason why I brought this up. Okay. Because it involves Sean Penn. But I went to look for that clip. The only thing I found out where he's actually telling the joke is like Chris Rock's monologue from the 2005 Academy Awards, but it's turned way down. Like, it's like, like I had to, I try, I'm not an audio engineer. I've tried to put it up and like increase the volume, but the best I could do was make it sound like it was coming from a phonograph in like 1913. Weird. I was like, well, maybe someone just posted the Academy Awards. And sure enough, someone was like, here, part one, part two, 2005 Academy Awards. And I sat through the monologue and they cut out the part where he makes the Jude Law joke. Oh. Like that part was cut out of it. There was another one that was like Chris Rock's monologue, but it was only half the monologue without the Jude Law joke. There, The evidence of the Jude Law joke is in the one where the volume is way down. Yeah. But like, it's like this shit got scrubbed. For the most part, from the internet. And I wonder if the one that's way down is the only way they could get it to stay up. I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. Could it be that just no one cares as much about this or thinks about it as much as I do? Maybe. But the thing that it stands out is that Sean Penn, and I did find this clip, no problem. He gets up in front of the podium to present the best female actress of that year. And he says, forgive my compromised sense of humor, uh, but I did want to answer our host question about who Jude Law is. Uh, he's, he's one of our finest actors. And, and Now, you know, Sean Penn, I'm not going to say he's a bad actor. That's, that, wouldn't be, that would be insincere. Yeah. But this dude, I can't say I've ever really enjoyed him very much. And not beyond Fast Times and Rich High. I was about to High. say not Fast that really is his peak in terms of enjoyability. Sure. But this guy is just one of those self-serious, like, so self-serious. Wouldn't he for a long time not have gone on an award show like that? Wasn't he like, didn't he have like crippling stage fright or something? Like he didn't like to speak in front of people? I have no idea. I, I, I know he wrong, but I thought that was a thing about him. I know he once tied Madonna to a chair and beat her and beat her up. It was a tumultuous relationship. Now he's a guy that will give uh, go to other war torn countries and let the the president there get a photo op with him. And I kind of understand when people completely throw out the political stances of celebrities, even if they're along the same lines. And there are a few uh, celebrities out there that go kind of. A little hard left, like my personal politics do. But even then, I'm still like, I got my eye on you. He's like George Clooney, like shows up at the UN and they let him hang out and like it's. But what does it do? Like nothing. Right. What is he actually doing? But what he's is just he helping. But I've just always, I've just perceived him for like at least 20 years now as the one of the most self-serving, self-serious blowhards. To be honest, I don't think I've thought about him at all. That's probably the better approach. Really? I mean, yeah. It's kind of interesting because you also got some of these um, celebrities that have shown up to be very right wing, like your James Woods types. And sure. And while I don't agree with like anything they have to say, I don't see them as too far removed from the Deborah Messing, Sean Penns of the world. Sure. If anything, I kind of see right wing celebrities. 
who are openly right wing as a little more honest about their yeah, stance. I get that because you know if anything is kind of any for the for the the centrist liberal celebrity types, the Alec Baldwin's. You keep I can throw out all these names that if anything took a dollar out of their fucking bank account, they would turn so fucking fast, right? But then you got, you know, Susan Sarandon, uh, who, who, who like those other, those centrist liberal celebrities will be like, you're the reason Hillary didn't win in 2016. Point at Susan Sarandon, which is very funny to me. But separate from his acting, I don't think he's a bad actor. I can't think of anything he's done except Fast Times and this. And then I know he was in like She's So Lovely or something, but I never saw it. I am uh, just casually looking at his wiki. He did, he was against the invasion of Iraq. So we'll give him some credit for that. Okay. He can't, he's not wrong about everything. Like the casual hypocrisy of the American liberal, but I'm not, but that's not to say that I think they're wrong about everything. Are you doing this because you're actually like giving money and on the ground trying to help and like, trying to make things happen or are you just trying to make yourself look good? Well, I'm sure they have the intention inside of them. I'm sure they've raised money for things and Fair, stuff yes. like that. But, sure. but it just seems like, I mean, I guess it's all feckless in a sense when you're dealing with this system, which sure. has to fundamentally change at its core truly to be something that serves everyday people. But it does serve people in power and mm-hmm. when financial with financial resources like Sean Penn. Yeah. And that's kind of I think why, you know, it might be healthier to distrust any activist celebrity, even one that tells you who you don't like. Except James Cromwell. James Cromwell. Well, that guy literally will We trust him. <laughs> we trust James Cromwell. <laughs> one of the few we trust. Yeah. At least we trust him to be as sincere and literal as possible. Yes. Because he'll go sit in a jail cell after Absolutely. throwing blood on a uh, a mink lady wearing a mink coat or something. I love it. But anyway, I'm down for it. Look, he's done a lot of shit. I'm sure he has. I just don't know any of it. Carlito's Way. Never saw it. Dead Man Walking with Susan Sarandon. Yes, I do remember that movie. She's so lovely. U Turn. That's uh, uh the Oliver Stone movie. Um, The Thin Red Line. That's a good movie. That's a Terrence Malick movie. Being John Malkovich. That's a good movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot he was in that. The Woody Allen movie, Sweet and Low Down. Never. Uh, Before Night Falls, which is the biographical movie about Ronaldo Arenas. I remember him in that one. He is himself in the movie, Pauly Shore is Dead. He's in Mystic River. Look, this guy's been in Mystic River is the one I was trying to think of. I've seen like two of these movies. The Interpreter, All the King's Men, Persepolis. He was... Marjane's father in Persepolis? Why would you pick him as Marjane's father in that? Anyway. I don't know that. Um, don't Tropic know that. Thunder as himself. Milk. Oh, Milk. Milk. The Gus Van Zandt movie. Milk is good. Milk Look, is good. You know, you just keep doing what you're doing, Sean Penn. It's up to us to accept. I'm, yeah. Just don't hurt. I mean, he's not... Like, don't hurt. Just don't tie women to shit. Try to help. Don't don't beat up maybe, any more ladies. Maybe, he, maybe he's going so hard because he feels guilty about that. Okay, sure, maybe. He's just so self-serious. And we haven't even started talking about this movie. And you know he was so self-serious about his role in this one. Which, if there's one thing I can't fault about this movie, it is the acting. Yeah. The portrayals. Everyone did great. Everyone did fine. You could tell people were into this movie. 
And as sincere as this movie tried to be, and as cute as it occasionally was, to go a young Dakota Fanning, adorable. This is our first movie. I felt like the package we got was jag off crap. Yeah. <laughs> I know. hated the camera work. I hated the little, you know, when you go into a wealthy part of town mm-hmm. and you got a little shop there. Mm-hmm. How the fuck that's like gift wrapping uh, artisan shop or something oh, like sure, that. Sure, something sure. that is definitely being propped up by someone with money that there's no way this could profit in and of itself. Absolutely. Then I, I feel like that is that aesthetic is almost like the aesthetic that is being thrown at me in this movie. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm also picture and also this movie. Has a decent soundtrack. It's got a lot of people singing Beatles, Beatles songs. Yes. We're talking about the movie I Am Sam, mm-hmm. directed by Jesse Nelson, written by Christine Johnson and Jesse Nelson. Jesse Nelson, I read that wrote this movie based on studying people with intellectual disabilities. She uh, also directed the movie Karina Karina. Oh. That stars uh, our boy Ray Liotta. Yeah, Ray Liotta and Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, a humpy, a lifetime humpy achievement award goes to Ray Liotta. We love Ray Liotta. He can do no wrong, even if the movie's bad. Mm-hmm. We love that Ray Liotta. R.I.P. King. Michelle Pfeiffer is in this movie. Yeah, she does fine. She play. She actually plays a good like dirtbag lawyer. It's a good portrayal. She's not really a dirtbag lawyer. Well, I guess. she she is kind of a dirtbag lawyer, and she is. She plays really well one of those people who seems like a bitch to everyone. Sorry, I'm not supposed to say that word. Right, we're supposed to keep it clean because it's comfort food. Let me start over. Just it's, in this, case you we're family redo friendly it. all month. I'm she not redoing seems, it. She's got it all together, but she's like difficult and she's rude to people because she doesn't have enough time. But in actuality, she is literally falling apart. I do have to admit that it was kind of hard when she has her breaking moment to really feel that bad for her. Sure, I mean. But I understand. Like, she's dealing with her own shit. Everybody, she's dealing with her own stuff. Everybody is. So this movie stars Sean Penn as Sam, Dakota Fanning, Michelle Pfeiffer, Diane Weist. um, And I, I am Sam. But I prefer the porn parody version. Can you guess what the porn parody version is called? You want to take a guess? Um, I am in Sam. That's pretty good. But it's actually, I am Sam's gaped anus. Oh, my God. All you need is love. That is the message of this movie. Mm-hmm. All you need is love. Yeah. Whatever. Love for yourself. Do love you, for your family. Is that all you need? I mean, we have love. We have love. It's very important to us. It is. We don't need this house. We don't need these animals. We don't need all this stuff. I need the animals. We can light it all on fire. I need the animals. Long as we have our love. But I love the animals too. That's another love. I guess that is a part of the love. It is. They are part of the love. Now, if we, yeah, if we, I don't want to lose this house, but if we lost this house, I would still have you and I would be okay somehow. We'd figure it out. What the hell's wrong with Sam? What's up with his freak ass? What's wrong with him? Bobby. Sam. I mean, but. Sam has an, a low IQ. They say the, at one point at the end that he has been, they've said that he has like autistic tendencies or something. It's a weird phrasing that they use. The mind of a seven-year-old. He has the mind of a seven-year-old. And at the very beginning of this movie, you you meet him working at Starbucks. There's a lot of uh, product placement in this movie. Starbucks, 
It's like a Starbucks commercial, this movie. Good old Starbucks, yeah. There's also a Pizza Hut. They give Sam a job. And so long as he doesn't try to unionize or anything. Right. They'll keep him. And then at the beginning of the movie, he has to run out of his job because he's having a baby. They don't go into the story, but apparently a, 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 a homeless woman crashed at his apartment. He's got a nice apartment, and I think they live in San Francisco. Yeah. Which, even in 2001, that's quite the get for a man with the mind of a, of, of a seven-year-old. Yes. And he, uh, I guess, Sam busted inside of her. Mm-hmm. He probably, after he did it, he probably said something like, Very hot, foam latte. That's a wonderful choice. <laughs> but this lady, she has the baby, and she doesn't even want to hold it. No, they hand the baby immediately to him. And then as they're leaving the hospital day or two later, Sam's holding the baby and she's like, hold the bus. And she disappears into the crowd. She's gone. She's she never to return. Damn. No one mentioned the uh, abort to this lady. There, I mean, they no didn't have mention. the money. Well, Sam makes eight dollars an hour at Starbucks. I mean, I go to Planned Parenthood and see what you can do. I know, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it's he San convinced, Francisco maybe he a little bit forward in that mind. Maybe he convinced her to keep the baby. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So, but. so he has a child and he's uh he's a good patient father, but he's not very sharp. And he's getting help from Diane Weist, who is a shut-in who lives in his building. Mm-hmm. And she'll in babysit. In his building. <laughs> In his building. <laughs> I was going to say apartment, but she's living in his apartment. I, I'm just picking on you. I, I listen back to these shows. That, and, you know, we say like weird shit all <laughs> the time. He'll call her if he has a question about something. She babysits for him. Until the baby gets too big, he actually wears wears the baby on one of those like baby front harnesses at work he has a group of friends that encompass the whole mentally challenged rainbow and some of these actors really are folks who have mental or intellectual disabilities at least one of them is just an actor you know what's interesting is uh one guy who plays the autistic guy Mm -hmm. because they have a guy who in there who's like very rain manny yeah and it's played He's by quoting facts. It is played by Doug Hutchison, who's a character actor that often will play like really evil pieces of shit in movies. Really? Like he's kind of known for that, huh. but in this movie he's the autistic guy. And he's sweet. In the crew. Yeah, you know, they're all sweet. There's They're guy, all sweet. There's a guy with down syndrome who's probably the funniest person in the whole movie. He has the, some of the best lines. His mom's always hovering around. The paranoid guy is even sweet. Yeah, is he like supposed to be like as paranoid schizophrenic? Is that his thing? Maybe. I don't know. But he does always think, he's always like, who's listening? Why are you recording me? Like, what's going on? Everything's a conspiracy. And then you got another guy that just smiles a lot. He's the sweetest, Joe. Joe. Joe's just nice to everybody all the time. And they all adore Lucy. Lucy Diamond is her name. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Sam knows everything about the Beatles. He's obsessed with the Beatles. His neighbor knows everything about the Beatles. They have bonded on music. She is a musician who is a piano player who went to Juilliard. They quickly exonerate Yoko Ono in the movie. She's off the hook. Oh, yeah. It's not Yoko's fault. (laughs) Not Yoko's fault. We see Lucy try to get her dad to do other things. She's seven years old, and she's... 
developing past him at she's a young age. She's smarter than him already. She's extremely smart. And there's certain things she asks. She's like, oh, can, can we go to the burger place instead of IHOP? Because they do IHOP every Wednesday. And, and, and he lets her do that. And then he demands the IHOP food at the burger place. Uh, okay, we don't have French pancakes. We have French toast. No, I don't want French toast. I want French pancakes like at IHOP. The same kind, just the same kind like they have at IHOP. That's what my favorite breakfast is, okay? They're those thin pancakes. Oh, the crepe pancakes? And I don't even want crepes. I want to have French pancakes with the fruit topping on the side. Yeah, no, okay? That's what I want to have, please. Thank you. Okay, we don't have that though, sir. Um, okay, thank you. Do you want just regular pancakes and then I can bring you jam? I don't want something else. Why did you ask me that? Okay, what well, I'm I'm gonna see. Maybe they have something. Yeah, okay. ask Bob. Okay. Ask Bob. Ask Bob's big boy. Because the customer is always right. I am Karen in this scene. Am I right? Yes, because the menu says we serve your favorite breakfast all day. So he orders his favorite breakfast and they don't have it yeah because it's not ihop he orders the same thing at ihop every time and it just it it really upsets him because it's out of his routine he was really trying to do this for her but he needs his routine is the state paying for half of this apartment he says he makes nine dollars eight eight dollars at starbucks an hour maybe that ain't shit in san francisco even at that time you know honestly probably diane weist She's probably in some sort of situation where she's like helping him out. Well, no, no, she's probably getting like disability, and so you know what I mean. Like this might be like a like a low income housing rent controlled rent controlled situation. Yeah, he has this party, and he kind of gets her birthday, and that's when a social worker shows up. This kid's kind of bullying her, and he ends up kind of like shoving the kid a little or something, and. Yeah. This all happens in front of a social worker. And, and it then, comes out that apparently she had told the kids at school that he's not her real dad. And I think that she maybe felt pressured to say that at some point because they were making fun of her about him. And you get mad at Lucy. It's like you're ruining this. But like also you're like, she's seven years old. Yeah, right? she's a child. So the whole rest of the movie is Sam who has to recruit Michelle Pfeiffer. And I actually really... There's some angles with the camera work, how the camera will shake and the the shot choices. Like, everything is, like, blue for, like, half the movie. And then it gets red at the end because Sam is red, as they say in the painting Well, they say Laura Dern is the red. At some point, it seemed like the blue was, like, the sad places. Michelle Pfeiffer's house is sad and cold. The place where Lucy has to stay is sad and cold. Uh, The courtroom is sad and cold and blue. But... But it's very heavy-handed. Only the Starbucks is bright. And and, and Sam's apartment. <laughs> until yeah. he's depressed at the end. He doesn't think he's going to get her back. And I actually, when we first meet Michelle Pfeiffer, he's talking to her. I actually kind of hated this scene. Willie. 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 Table. How many times, Patricia, have I told you to get rid of that crappy coffee table? The mm-hmm. way it set it up, the camera work, and the and like, and it was very common. Bothered you much more than me, but I, you were like vocal about how it. It felt you. contrived and yes. stupid. Yes. And then you even had the scene where the secretary 
feels like so hurt by the harsh Michelle Pfeiffer character that a single tear runs down. It was like... This is someone who she mistreats so often that she's to tears. In like two scenes later, she laughs at her. Like the secretary laughs at her in front of a whole room of people when she tries to say she's doing a pro bono. Yeah, and, and, why, and she straight up lies, right? She's saying, look, oh, I'm doing a pro bono. Because because she sees that everyone but doesn't no, believe that she ex- would do that, but she's lying. She did lie, and everyone knew she was lying in that so moment. So then she had to do it. And then, yeah, so she's like, okay, I am doing a pro bono, whatever they call it. <laughs> Sorry, that's the porn parody where Michelle does a pro bono for Sam in the porn parody version. Okay. Sorry, I get those confused. You remember what the porn parody version is called. I, I do. I do. <laughs> uh, but yes, so, and, and then we get the state that's trying to keep her in foster care. And Sam is really bad at, Sam's really bad at maintaining custody of his daughter. Well, no, he's been fine <laughs> until now. There's, there's now, there's now a trial to see if he is capable of raising her. Because she has already passed him in intelligence. She's eight years old, but she's also an extremely smart eight-year-old. She is not doing well in school because she doesn't want to progress past him. Like, she's so smart that she realizes that she is smarter than him. And she doesn't want him to feel bad. At one point, she pretends like she can't read a word. And he's like, you can and you have to. She's purposely holding herself back so as not to embarrass him. But he doesn't want her to do that. And I actually thought that was a great scene where he was like, you can read the word. And I like it when you read words. Like, you you know them. You have to get better and, and learn. But... A lot of these types of comfort food, the uh, movies we're discussing in which regular people are playing mentally challenged people, they're all based on true stories. This one is not. This is not. And and at some point I, I realized that because some of the stuff that happens in this movie is kind of bonkers. The idea that it would get to the positions that we're in like he, in like, this like state. Like the kid convinces him to run away and then and then nothing bad happens from that at that point. They the, would have said, she's gone forever and you're done. The apartment alone is beyond belief. Yeah, the apartment is beyond belief. <laughs> uh, he ends up in an even nicer neighborhood. Yeah. Because he got a promotion at Starbucks. What Now he's probably making $9. But yeah, none of it's none of it's believable. We also get a lot of Target stuff in this movie. I also was... And Pizza Hut food court in a Target. Honestly surprised. Because I feel like in in actual life... Someone would have stepped in before she was seven. This is what I'm saying. I, I I truly believe, I truly believe that people with intellectual disabilities are completely capable of raising children. They sometimes need help, but, but their children should not be taken away from them. It takes a village with anyone. With anyone. So So it's not that. But I do think that if this were based on a true story, there would have been... When the mom runs away, when people find out that he's just raising this kid alone, like, he had to take her to the doctor. Like people had to know. And obviously, he was doing a good job. But you would imagine that at some point, someone would have stepped in just to, like, make sure. I wanted to see her have, like, a jacked-up haircut. Like, Yeah, she always looked really nice. I mean, that's all Annie, Diane Weist, who... And that's the thing, too. Like, that she does come out of her house to to testify for him. And there's like a Mary Mary Steenburgen, like 
moment in we, this. Yeah, she's we like get a sort doctor of, who was raised the, by someone with the, a 70 IQ. The guy who plays Data in The Next Generation is a shoe salesman in this movie. Yeah, which was bizarre. Uh, so in my mind, he's like a bigger actor than that. Yeah. Look, well, wh- this where, was, wherever you get your check. Whatever right? year this was. Uh, Laura Dern in the end is a woman the who foster tries. Mother. She's a foster mother who wants to adopt Lucy, but ends up voluntarily sneaking out of the house every single night like they wait way too long to put bars on that kid's window (laughs) like i feel like that dad would have gone climbed up the outside of the house and put nails in that window way before if she's climbing out every single night that's not safe for her to walk down the street in the middle of the night in the end she voluntarily she volunteers to co-parent with uh yeah with like shared custody yeah and he says to her, he's like, I, I need help. And, oh, we do get the scene where, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, she has she has a real big arc in this movie where she goes from being this, like, hard-nosed lawyer who acts like she doesn't care about anybody or anything, including her husband and child, to being a good mom at the end, leaving her husband who's cheating on her, and she gets her kid a dog. Uh, but... At one point, she does come to see Sam and in a tearful moment says the line we always get in movies like this or a version of it yeah, where she says... it's her version of, I wasn't teaching you, you were teaching me. Yeah, it's she says... Sam, I worry. I worry sometimes. Yeah. You, you worry that you did something wrong. <laughs> no. I worry that I've gotten more out of this relationship than you. In that moment, it's because she's worried she's not going to be able to help Sam actually get his kid back. And her life is better because of knowing Sam. Mm. And, you know. She has a house like a gangster in a Michael Mann movie. She does. There's also this weird part that I. Also blue. I thought about not talking about, but. When she does have her breakdown in his apartment. She wants to fuck him. It's weird. I'll never be enough. You're enough. Yeah, you're you're much you're much more than enough. They like, almost conceived an Eleanor he's Rigby. Kissing her on her like face and neck and shoulder. Or a hey. And then Jude. they're just hugging. Yeah, okay. And then they're just Or a Dr. Robert, maybe. Yep. And he starts around then calling her lovely Rita. Mm, right, her Which name is, is Rita you know, Harrison. Rita Harrison. Right, and and so these are all signs when he first mm. meets her. He doesn't really call her lovely Rita till more towards the end. So that whole bit happens where they have this big embrace, and obviously, like she's had this like realization, and they're actually friends now. And the next time they see each other, it's somewhere in public. But the way he walks up, and he seems kind of embarrassed, and she seems she's like shyly smiling at him, and she's like. What's his last name? She's like, hey, Mr. Darrow. Yeah. And he's like, lovely Rita. And it's like this weird moment where you're like, this feels weird as fuck. Sorry. This feels weird. As fudge. As fudge. And then later that day, they're at dinner with all the guys, like his crew. And, you know, she's hanging out with them. And the guys leave and he chooses to stay with her instead of go to movie night. They always go to movie night. Which is a and big deal. And then he looks at her and he's like, you need to leave your husband. And I am sitting there going. There's sexual tension there. sex? Are they in a relationship? There's also a point at her house 
when they're preparing for the next day at court where she puts him in her husband's suit and she's like a little too handsy for a minute. And I was like, okay, you're his lawyer right now. Yeah. Also, I there guess- is another version of this movie where she says to him, let's get married and I'll take care of your kid. With I mean, you. he does look like Sean Penn. He's not an unhandsome man. He's not an unhandsome man. But it's just and weird. If you're, I'm not saying she couldn't fall in love with him like she could have. It could have gone that way. Fine. If you're into the literary works of Dr. Seuss, this man could be your man. It just feeds more and more and more into the fact that this is not a real story. It's not a true story. And at the end of the day, that makes this movie worse than radio, than Bill, than any other movie that we're going to watch this month that is based on a true story, even though it has the very problematic aspect to it of why it's even getting chosen this month when it's people without mental or intellectual disabilities playing people who have them. This is worse. Because why? It's, it's, it's a total, like... And I'm not like, saying you can't tell stories about different people from different walks of life. It's a total Hollywood hand job echo chamber here in which it's like, we're going to win some awards on this one. That's what it feels like. It yeah. feels like, I'm going to do something so different. But what's kind of kills me, and I feel like as we go deeper into these challenging performances movies, challenged performances, that I feel more sorry for Cuba Gooding because mm. we mentioned he doesn't kind of messed up his career. Sean Penn goes full on R worded and he, it, he it doesn't really mess up his shit at all. He doesn't win any awards for it. No, but he got nominated for like everything. But he absolutely. And this movie did win some awards and Dakota Fanning won quite a few. Awards. He absolutely had more of a career than Cuba Gooding Jr. did after yeah. their his respected role. I don't think Mickey Rooney went on to do a whole lot. Well, he was old as shit. <laughs> That's what I, that was the joke. I still, I still love you because love is all that matters. Love is all you need. Remember when she was, uh, he was touching the TV and she was being interviewed. All you need is love. It was so, it's so like overly Why dramatic. Why did it cut off? I don't know. So he could have the moment with the blank screen going, where'd she go? Where'd she go? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's like you said, it felt like, it felt like an awards grab, like you're saying. It it felt ingenuine at a point. Like, there's a lot of talented people in this movie. There's a lot of sweet moments in this movie. But it feels like everyone came together to be like, we're going to really do something. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 you know, when I watch a movie like this, I do imagine the pitch meetings with the producers and they're like, oh, and he knows everything about the Beatles. And then the producer's like, oh, I love the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not against the Beatles. I'm not saying that. Beatles are fine. But like, yeah, we all, every, yeah. Who doesn't? It's fine. We all got, have we trotted out the Beatles yet in like the last five minutes? What's your favorite Beatles record? I can't even answer that. But I can tell you songs I like, but I can't even tell you albums. What's the shittiest Beatles record? I don't know. It's Sgt. Pepper's. Okay, Sgt. Pepper. I don't know. I don't honestly know their discography that well. I know songs, but I can't tell you what came from what. Get your shit together. I like Blackbird. This guy has the mental capacity of a seven-year-old, and he can take you to school with his Beatles knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. In some ways, 
He's smarter than me. Was Sean? Did Sean Penn maintain character uh, after, I bet in between you he shoots? Did. I I would not be surprised at all if he's method. Oh yeah, he's got to be method. Crystal method. That's a drag queen. I think it was also. I have one of her t-shirts. I think it was also um, a '90s trip hop electro band as well. Fair. Fair. Anyway, let's review this. I mean, we we already did that. Let's judge it. The choice is a little too cute for me. It's trying a moment where there is a blurry leaf fall. Why? Yeah, like these weird, like slow mo. Stop trying to make me feel something. It's corny. Yeah. It's corny as shit. But then you just got all the, like, artistic choices. I'm giving this a 1.5. It just kind of annoyed me Mm -hmm. by the time I got to the end of it. I was just kind of annoyed by the whole experience. And and there's some people in this movie I I really like. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern's in this movie. We love Laura but Dern. This, but this fucking movie is it is true circle jerk drivel. Yeah. In a way that's even worse than Radio or Bill. Mm-hmm. It's the worst version. This is worse than Radio, in my opinion, because it thought it was fancier than Radio. At least Radio knows. It's a basic bitch chocolate chip cookie from Subway. This thing thought it was like a, a box of uh, fine macarons. Mm-hmm. And it was not. 1.5. How about you? I think I'm going to match you. Three. There it is. Look at it. The D's are padding out this month. We might find more D's. <laughs> but uh, we spent too long talking about this fucking movie. Yeah. I think my, my tirade at the top was a little long-winded. Much like this movie. Running a little over two hours did not need to be. Um, it's just a glorified made-for-TV movie. But, uh, hey, the Beatles, right? Uh, check the show notes for links and other places to find us. What do you think of I Am Sam? Um, how would you rank your mentally challenged movies? Where does I Am Sam rank in there? Uh, and I'm talking specifically about actors playing people with intellectual disabilities I'm not talking about all those um, uh, made-for-TV movies where the kid has autism. We're going way harder than that. All right? So like and subscribe and stay with us for more comfort move, comfort food all month long. Comfort moves. I'm out of it. I'm glad this is. we're ending this. Life to all lovers. Life to all lovers.